0: Welcome to the Cross Lane Podcast, a community committed to bringing people to Jesus. We've talked to students, we've talked to singles. Last week I talked to couples, got great feedback from some of you about this idea of you just reaching over and grabbing your wife's hand and saying a prayer with her out loud on a regular basis. That was the challenge last week. I have just been um, very pleasantly surprised. at at some of the emails i've gotten some of the comments you've made where you guys are doing that i mean i've had men that i didn't think would really take that seriously who have and to see their eyes light up when they run up to me and tell me hey i did that and this is what happened and one guy this morning on the way out he said i did that and he said brett i can't believe the difference in us i simply can't believe the difference in us so i encourage you to pray out loud on a regular basis with your spouse it'll make a huge difference um so so that's been all for the for the the you know maybe the younger set today we're talking to those of you who are forty plus and I had somebody that was um forty plus plus not super plus plus but a little more plus plus than forty and she looked at me this morning and she said, well, if you're forty, you're just a baby so um i I understand that um i I'm a little over fifty, and I don't feel like a baby anymore, but there's a lot I need to learn I know that so um, today I want to speak specifically to those of us who are 40 plus, and I'm going to you know, just try and help us to understand some things that, that maybe we're not thinking about, because there's going to come a point when you will not be able to take advantage of an opportunity that is before you right now. And, and I, I hope that you have a whole bunch of years left, but the, the sad reality is we don't know how many years we have left, and, and you may have a bunch, you may have a, a few, However many days you've got left and years you've got left, I want you to be able to take the most advantage of them as you can. Um, I will never forget one of the first uh, Catalyst conferences that that we went to. It was uh, The year was 2000. We took 16 guys uh, down to Atlanta for Catalyst Conference. And um, one of the people that we heard from that first time was a guy named Dr. Howard Hendricks, who has since gone on to be with the Lord. And, and Dr. Hendricks was a... Um, a professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Everybody called him prof. He was there for over 60 years. He taught the likes of Andy Stanley and Chuck Swindoll and David Jeremiah and Tony Evans. And he taught those guys how to make the biblical text come alive. He, he used the expression with them, bring your energy to the text. That, that was kind of the way he talked about things. He, he was once talking about how boring preachers were. And you have to understand that Dr. Hendricks was from Philadelphia. he uh, was pretty direct, kind of gruff. And he said, experience won't make you better. Only evaluated experience will make you better. And, and he said, if you, if you only have experience, then all that does is develop habits, and sometimes bad habits, and it creates ruts for us. He said, you've got to have evaluated experience. It was also Dr. Hendricks who challenged those guys that you should never bore a child with the Word of God, which I think is great advice for every church. You should never bore a child with the Word of God, that it's a sin to bore a child with the Word of God. Dr. Hendricks was a a fantastic communicator. I can still remember parts of his talk from from 15 years ago when we were down there. And just to let you know what a great communicator he was, Uh, there would be times at Dallas Theological Seminary when it would be his turn to speak in chapel. And chapel on a seminary campus is generally for the students that are going to school but word would get out throughout the community in Dallas that it was going to be Dr. Hendricks' day to speak. And business leaders from the community, men and women, uh, business owners, leaders, government officials, would come to Dallas Theological Seminary and fill up their chapel. And by the time the kids got out of class, there was no place for them to sit. They had to stand in the back and listen as Dr. Hendricks spoke to many, not just at the school, but also from the community itself. When he Lived in Dallas as the professor. Oftentimes, a a, a, you know a church pastor might be going on vacation, and he would ask Dr. Hendricks to to fill in for him. And on those occasions, when word got out that Dr. Hendricks was going to be speaking at a church, the attendance they just packed out buildings everywhere. And it was suggested to Dr. Hendricks at one time that maybe he should consider becoming a pastor and not be Uh, a professor anymore and this was his this was his response to that i can do more damage for the kingdom behind this lectern than i ever could behind a pulpit because i can teach you knuckleheads and you can go change the world and that literally is what has happened dr Uh, uh, Hendricks understood investing in the generation that would come up behind him now here's why i say all that to you i tell you that because i believe that every single one of you especially those of you 40-plus have the same opportunity to reach back and to leverage the life experience that you have had to be able to turn around and make that come alive for someone else who's younger, who doesn't know what you know and has not experienced what you've experienced. And it might not necessarily be in a classroom. It may not be on a platform like this. You may not have one of these stuck to your head. But you will have, if you look for them and you leverage them, the opportunity To share your experiences with the people who are coming up behind you. If you don't have it now, you will. You just have to look for it. Now, before you launch into the, you know, I know what it's like to be listening to a guy speak and then he says something and then you want to disagree with what he just said. And then your mind goes into this whole thing why you can't do what he just said. Before you do that... And before you give me all the objections to what I've just said, and before you start saying things like, Brett, I'm not worthy, and I'm just average, I want to help you today see your life in a different light. Um, If I asked you to give me some famous lines from the movie Forrest Gump, it probably wouldn't take you long before I heard come out of somebody's mouth, life is like a box of chocolates. You know, I'll probably hear that. but but actually there's another expression that i would give you this morning i would tell you that your life is like a treasure chest you literally are a unique blend of your experiences family experiences successes failures opportunities academic opportunities academic achievement academic failure challenges disabilities learning disabilities Maybe you've got high IQ, maybe that's something that can be used for you. People you've met, people you haven't met, places you've wanted to go, places you've dreamed of, places you actually have been. You are a unique blend in such a way that you are a unique treasure. And for you to have a life and to live a life that counts the way you want it to count, you have got to figure out, especially once you get past 40, how to leverage all this for the sake of somebody or a group of somebody's so that your life benefits them in some way. Uh, Many of you, by this stage in life, have married, and right about now I can hear somebody say, Brett, that's exactly why I can't leverage my life for the good, because um, my marriage is not a model marriage. That makes you an even better candidate to do what I'm talking about, because there are people who are coming along behind you who can benefit from the things you're learning in the marriage you've got. I spoke with someone earlier today and you know we're talking about marriage how hard it is and and they said you know it's could be better and um there's things that that person's learning that they can turn around and help somebody else with it makes you oftentimes the things that you think you don't want to talk about or you don't want people to know about it makes you a better candidate to talk about those things some of you would say well brett that's why i'm disqualified because i'm already in my second marriage and and that's just something nobody wants to hear about that's the last thing anybody wants to hear me talk about is my marriage. You're absolutely wrong. You have more to offer. And besides that, if you've been through a tough marriage or two, you know more than anybody else the pain of divorce. And you, know, you can explain to somebody the pitfalls of that, how hard that is, how, why you don't want to have to go through something like that. And, and I would hope that you would be compelled for the people that are in your world that are coming up behind you that you would want to share those parts of your story and talk about them as hard as they may be, as embarrassing as they may be, so that you can really benefit the people who come up behind you so that they don't experience that same kind of pain. Many of you are extraordinary leaders and have extraordinary leadership opportunities. Some of them you've handled well, some of them maybe you haven't handled so well. Opportunities that came and went, and God gifted you in such a way that people follow you. And for some people, it can be so intuitive for them that they don't even have to think about it. They just lead and people follow. Some of you have made large sums of money. Some of, some of you have made large sums of money and lost it. Um, some of you manage money very well, and some of you maybe don't. Maybe you've invested money and it went well for you. Maybe it didn't go all that well for you. But by the time you hit 40, especially by the time you hit 50, you don't realize this until you sit down With somebody who's maybe 22, 23, 25, and you start talking about money, and all of a sudden it dawns on you, you're an expert, because you've made the mistakes. You've done some stupid things. There's a lot of money that's gone through your hands, and you think to yourself, man, if I could be 23 again and know what I know now, boy, there's some things I'd do different with money. Well, don't say that to you. Turn around and say that to somebody who desperately, desperately needs to hear it. Um, all of you at some time in your life have probably experienced some form of conflict and relationships with money, with work, with in-laws, with parents, with the government, with the IRS. And again, the failure part of you wants to say that makes me unworthy. Nobody wants to listen to me because I failed in those areas. Not true. I'm here to tell you that your failures make you a unique blend, a, a, an even better candidate and a better vehicle to communicate to the generation coming up behind you. All of you, at some point or another, have some kind of spiritual background. Many of you grew up in church, you left the church, and you came back. That equips you to talk to the next generation about the value of staying plugged in to some sort of spiritual context. Many of you have wrestled with faith in such a way that you left and came back. That positions you uniquely with certain people to be able to talk to them, those people who are wrestling with whether or not they want to just throw their hands in the air and give up. Because they look at somebody like me, who's a pastor, um, incorrectly I might add, but they look at someone like me and say, well, there's no way he ever struggles with faith. There's no way he ever struggles with that kind of stuff. It's easy for him to believe. I mean, he's he's a pastor. So oftentimes when I talk about that kind of stuff, People don't understand that I struggle with those things just like anybody else would, that I have to kind of work through things just like anybody else would. But when it comes from you, someone who's not a pastor, and you can just say, look, I get it, I understand, Um, parts of this is really hard. And if you've ever had a hard time believing, if you've ever set your spirituality and your Christianity aside, you are already equipped to talk to somebody in the next generation coming up and you could be a huge benefit to them. Many of you, by the time you're at the age we're talking about this morning, have had kids. Some of you maybe have lost a child. Some of you know the pain of the prodigal son or the prodigal daughter, and some of you don't want to tell the story of your children because it doesn't sound good, and you would say, Brett, I'm just embarrassed. I'm ashamed of it. Did you know that those stories that you don't want to tell equip you with a unique message for the people coming up behind you? Some of you have built companies. You've built them up and they're, they're going great. Others of you have built organizations or companies and maybe it went great for a while and it failed. Um, there's all different kinds of stories. Maybe you faced bankruptcy and although you're embarrassed by those failures, did you know that that's a part of your treasure chest? That makes you uniquely you and it gives you an opportunity to help somebody with those same kinds of things because we think they only want to hear the success stories. We think they only want to hear about the good stuff when in fact It's very beneficial for the people coming up behind us to listen to us talk about those areas of life That haven't gone very well. Here's what I would say You learn far more from failure than you will ever learn from success You learn far more from failure than you ever learn from success You learn more in the wrinkled days than you do the wrinkle-free days You learn more about marriage and the challenges of marriage. You learn more about finances and the challenges of finances than you do when everything's going great. And one of the reasons that some of you think that you don't have a treasure chest and that you don't have anything to offer is because you're so average. It's because all of us, all of us have some of these. We got skeletons, don't we? We got stuff in that treasure chest and we're like, man, I don't want anybody to know that's in there. I definitely don't want to talk about it. Um, it disqualifies me. That's what we think. When we've got those, we think, "Well, I'm disqualified from talking about God. Uh, I can't speak truth into any, anybody else's life." Parts of our story we simply don't want to tell. But someday you're going to run across a couple. Uh, someday you're going to meet somebody, and and you're going to want them to know that part of your story because that part of your story is going to be helpful for them to be able to avoid some of the things to be, be able to avoid some of the mistakes that you made. Um, and it will be the thing, the thing that you don't want to talk about, the thing that you're ashamed of, the thing that you want to hide, that skeleton you want to put way down deep in the corner of your treasure chest, and you don't want anybody to see it, that very well could be the thing that becomes the defining moment in your life when you share that and you genuinely help somebody or a bunch of somebodies to avoid the same kind of thing, to help them step out of depression, to help them step out of failure, to help them step out of a bad self-esteem, that's gonna to continue to just drive them into behaviors that you know are not healthy and are not good for them. Some of you have education, some of you have health, some of you have had bad health, some of you have gone through things that have taught you how to pray, marriages that weren't good that have taught you how to pray, health issues that taught you how to pray, financial stuff. It goes on and on. You are a unique combination of failures and successes and experiences, and here's my question. What are you going to do with all of this? What are you going to do with it? Let me tell you what most people do with it. They bury it. They bury it. When they're buried, it's buried with them. And if that's your decision, if that's what you end up doing, you need to understand that your life, when it ends, the value of your life ends with you if you never share the stuff in your world. But you have a unique opportunity And I don't want you to miss it. You have the opportunity to leverage all of this, all the parts that you don't want to talk about, all the things that you think make you less than everybody else, all the parts that you think nobody would be interested in. You have a unique opportunity to leverage those for the generation coming up behind you. And if you do, you'll be glad you did. And if you don't, one day on your deathbed, you may very well say to yourself, I'm so sorry that I did not take what I learned and pass it on to somebody behind me. Because the bottom line is, the value of a life is determined by how much of it was given away. And if you're in your 20s or your 30s, you hear that and you think, well, that's kind of cool. You know, I'll, I'll write that down. Maybe that'll be true and, and that'll be something I can think about later. But here's the thing. The older you get, the more you have to give. Because the older you get, the larger your treasure chest grows and at some point it will dawn on you even if it's just in the final days of your life that your greatest value in life is what you've been able to give away from that life have you ever been to a good funeral isn't it true that the value is always measured in what was given away you ever been to the funeral of somebody was selfish and that nobody liked it's pitiful you know there's nothing good said and they kind of fumble for things to say that are that are kind and uplifting but when you're around a family who's lost someone who invested in other people man, they cannot shut up about it they keep talking about it i don't want you to miss one of the greatest opportunities in your life here's the thing you're gonna get these experiences these things are going to happen to you it's not like you've got a choice some of this stuff is going to happen to you the question is What are you going to do with it when it happens? You're not going to turn around and help anybody else with it? For some of you, someone did this for you. They sat you down, they talked to you about things that they'd gone through and it's been able to help you. For others of you, you've made some mistakes and you would say, you know what, if somebody had sat me down, I wouldn't have made that mistake. I wouldn't be where I am now. If somebody had just taken the time and risked it and told me about the failure in their life, it would have helped me. Now, regardless of your religious background or if you're of your theological persuasion that's true of you you could be a non-christian you could be agnostic you could be from some other religious background we could just stop right here and say look regardless of your belief system regardless of your faith or lack thereof you're a treasure chest of insight wisdom experience and knowledge figure out how to leverage that insight wisdom experience and knowledge not just for your own family. And here's why I say that. The problem with family is this. Some of you, your children, the way they've been raised or the way you've treated them or the way they've treated you or, you know, whatever, you would say it almost disqualifies you from talking to your own kids. In fact, one of the reasons you may think that you don't have anything to offer is because your kids won't listen to you. And the truth is, the fact that your kids won't listen to you and the lessons that you've learned and the things that you've done that have caused your kids to kind of turn the volume down on what you're trying to say to them, that's what the next generation needs to hear. Part of the mistakes that maybe you've made with your own kids, you could pass on to some other young parent and say, look, listen, here's where I think I went wrong. Here's, wh- here's, wh- here's why I think, you know, little Johnny doesn't want to listen to me anymore is because I think I did this, and, and you want to avoid doing that. Um, It doesn't disqualify you when you've got failure in your life. It equips you in ways that other people are not equipped. Now, that's true of all of of us. But if you're a follower of Jesus, if you read the teachings of Jesus and you say, to the best of my ability, I want to figure out a way how to pull this off. I want to figure out a way to take every experience I have and make it better for the people coming up behind me then this simply isn't an opportunity. I think it's our responsibility as well for those of us who are Christians. Throughout his ministry, Jesus taught that, that um, not only are we accountable to God for how we live our lives, but at, at some point along the way in the future, after we leave this life, that somehow we have to give an account to God for how we lived our life. Now, I don't know what dastardly person came up with this idea, um, but somehow a lot of people have come to believe that what it looks like for us to be accountable to God for the life we've lived is that somehow people think that we're going to like maybe watch a video of our life with Jesus can you imagine this does this terrify anybody else that that you know i mean imagine that you know here we sit we're on this these theater chairs and we got our popcorn and we're sitting watching this movie of our life with Jesus can you imagine how horrifying that would be And he's, you know, eating the popcorn and watching the movie, and all of a sudden he stops eating the popcorn and he just kind of turns and looks at you. (laughs) Like, dude, who is... What are you... You know, and, and you just want to say, can we just move on? Can we, you know, stop watching? Can we stop watching my teens? Can we move to the college year? Can we just skip the college years and can we move... You know, do we have to do this? I mean... I don't know what it looks like for us to have this accountability thing with Jesus but you know that's kind of what my mind sees and then there's this other dastardly idea that's even worse that other people are going to watch out the movie of our life with Jesus does that terrify anybody other than me in the room you know and and Jesus is just kind of watching and all of a sudden he looks like what is up with what was that you know so and, and at that point you know we're just thinking could hell be better than this i mean honestly i mean how bad could hell have been this is horrible um but that was someone's imagination about wh- how it would look if we give an account uh, to god for the way we've lived our life now just for the record i don't think that's what it's going to be like okay so if if you were thinking about becoming a christian so you could go to heaven and then you heard me say that and you're like no i'm out i'm out no i don't think it's going to be like that okay i really don't um But Jesus was pretty clear at some point in the future, and it depends that, you know, it kind of depends on how you lived your life, but you either have to or you get to, depending on how well you did, give an account to God for the way you lived your life. Now, one day, Jesus is telling a parable, and uh, parables were about heaven and the, you know, the kingdom of heaven. And he said, the kingdom of heaven is like a rich man who is going on a journey and he divided up his wealth among three of his servants. If you've gone to church any length of time, you've probably heard this story. And remember, parables are fictitious stories that Jesus told to make a point. So this didn't actually happen, but this is a story that Jesus tells. And so in the story, he gives one of his servants five bags of gold, a significant amount of money. One, he gives two bags of gold. And to another guy, this one poor old soul, he gives one bag of gold. And it's kind of like the three little pigs, you know, this... This one servant had one little bag of gold. So one has five, and one has two, and one has one. And, and Now part of the point of this parable is that Jesus knew that most of us think that we're like one-baggers, right? We're just kind of average. I mean, we haven't been given five bags. We're not five-bag kind of people. We're kind of one-bag kind of people, just kind of average and we would say, God, I'm so ordinary, you know, I have an ordinary marriage, I have an ordinary job, ordinary education, I, you know, I've been on a couple of trips, but nowhere exotic. I haven't led much, I can barely lead myself, I don't have a lot of money, God, I have a lot of skeletons in my closet, a lot, and I don't want anybody to know about them, and, or much less see them or hear about them, and I don't know very much about the Bible, God, I'm just average. I'm I'm just a a one-bagger kind of person. And Jesus tells this parable with this guy with five bags, and and the guy with five bags goes out, and he does what he's supposed to do. He increases it. By by the time he's done, he's doubled his wealth. This guy didn't own this money, this gold. It was on loan to him. But he took it, and he did what his master would have done with it. He made more out of it. So the guy with five bags goes out and invests, and he does well. And and the way Jesus tells this story, it it took a long, long time. The master's gone for a long time. And the guy with two bags goes out and doubles his wealth, and then the third little servant went, wee, 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 and went and buried his bag of gold in the ground. Why am I talking like Mr. Bill? (laughs) If you're under 30, you probably have no idea who I'm talking about right now. And he said, I only have one bag of gold. Can't do anything with one bag of gold. I'm so average. I don't have anything to offer. And Jesus said, after a long time, another way to translate that is after a lifetime. This is what he said. After a lifetime, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. For him, this was an opportunity. He was chomping at the bit for the master to come back so he could talk to him about what he'd done with his five bags of gold. Look what I've done with what I had. Look, you left me with five. I've doubled it. You you loaned it to me, and this is what I've done with what you've loaned to me. And, And look what I've done. See, I've gained five more. Jesus continues, Verse 21, his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. To which we hear that and the guys in the story would listen to this story would hear that and say, five bags of gold is not a few things. Five bags of gold is an awful lot of money. How can you call that just a few things, Jesus? And Jesus says, see, you don't understand what the kingdom of God is like. You're impressed by all the stuff happening on this earth and all the accumulated things that you gather up and you think five bags of gold's a big deal. To God, five bags of gold is nothing. We're talking about kingdom stuff here. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many. Come and share your master's happiness. In other words, Jesus said, somehow in the kingdom of God, in the economy of God, God kind of lights up when we take what we have and we turn it around and we use it and we make something good of it. And then at the end of the parable, he talks about the guy who had one bag, the guy that buries his bag of gold. And then in the parable, it's not God judging anyone, so don't take it there. This is just in the context of the parable, the master says to the guy who dug the hole and buried his gold, he said, Look, you were just lazy. That's the word he uses. You were lazy. The guy says, No, 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 I wasn't lazy. He says, no you were just lazy. You just didn't want to do anything with it. He said, no, see, I didn't have as much as them. And the master in the parable says, no, you're, you're lazy. And he looks at this guy and he says, look, get him out of the inner circle. He, he, he doesn't, even belong in the inner circle anymore. And it kind of scared everybody listening to Jesus talk about this. This isn't a parable about heaven and hell. It's a parable about opportunity. It's a parable about that, that says we have the privilege, we have the responsibility to take what we use and what we do in this life and the things that we experience and to use them to help the people who are coming up behind us so here's my challenge and i'm telling you once you hit 40 your opportunities for this start to ramp up and they they kind of ramp up exponentially i think you have the opportunity your entire life even if you're in here and you're young if there's someone younger than you you can help them but once you hit 40 The opportunity kind of ramps up in such a way that you can really appreciate it as you look back. So once again, what are you going to do with the treasure that is you? Now this is a big deal to me. And just real briefly, I don't want to spend as much time on this as I did in the first service, but I've got people in my life that have done this for me. Um, You know, you look at me as as your pastor, and, and I appreciate that, but what you may not realize is that I need a pastor. And I have a pastor named L.D. Campbell, and he has pastored me through some really difficult things. Some of you were able to hear L.D. when he spoke, when he, when he dedicated uh, this building back in January of 2013. And he has been willing to, to show me, Brett, this is what's coming. These are the pitfalls. These are the dangers. These are the things you need to be looking for. This is what's happened to me. And he's talked to me about some things that have happened to him that haven't always been pleasant. And he said, look, here's how I handled it. Here's how I wish I'd done things differently. Here's maybe how I could have avoided certain things. My youth pastor, Doug Newhouse, spent an, an immense amount of time talking to me about what was coming and trying to prepare me for ministry, and um, it was Doug, it was the one that challenged me to go to ministry, and I didn't really want to do that right away, because you got to get up and talk to people, and I didn't think I wanted to do that, and come to find out later that Doug and LD, they said, well, we've been praying for you, and I said, well, you have been praying, and he said, well, we've been praying God would make you so miserable, <laughs> that you wouldn't have any choice to go, but to go to Bible college. That's literally what happened. And my life was falling apart, and uh, that, that was their prayer. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Bill Weaver was a man in my life when I first started pre- uh, youth ministry, and he was the preacher at the church, an older guy who just modeled for me what it looked like to be a servant, modeled for me what it looked like to give your life away, to put your head down and work hard, to live humbly, to be content with what you have, to not speak ill of other people, to always give the benefit of the doubt. I mean, all the kind of things that when you don't do them, it it creates all the junk in our life, right? The stuff we think, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Bill Weaver modeled for me, talked to me about what it looked like to be a pastor. And then Mark Cameron, when I came to this church, I I knew nothing about leadership. Mark Cameron made sure I went to a, a leadership conference. He showed me what generosity looked like I mean, literally showed me what it was like to be generous to other people, um, taught me how to take the things I was learning in leadership, showed me from his own life where he'd made mistakes and said, hey, th- you could do this this way and, and maybe avoid that. I mean, these are men who've had a huge impact on my life. They've invested in me, mentored me, challenged me, and I love each of these guys that I just mentioned and more in this church, in this room. I love them immensely because they're not afraid to take their experiences, even the bad stuff, and say, Brett, here's what you gotta look out for. Now, I need, to, I need to just get in a hurry here. You are a treasure chest. You are a unique combination of good and bad, success and failure, and through all of that, God has given you some, th- some valuable information, some valuable things to be able to turn around and talk to somebody else about. Insight, wisdom experience, figure out a way to pass it on. Now here's what I didn't tell you about Dr. Hendricks. I'll tell you this and then I'll close. When he was born, his parents split up. Uh, Dr. Hendricks lived to be 88 years old. You can imagine 88 plus years ago what it was like to be him to grow up without his parents. He was raised by his grandparents and he grew up thinking that his birth was the reason his parents split up. Um, He talked about how it bred in him a deep insecurity and how it made him angry, and he was a problem child. He acted out in his anger, and by his own admission, he was a bully. He was a pretty nasty kid. In fact, in the fifth grade, a fifth grade teacher did an analysis on Dr. Hendricks when he was in the fifth grade. Here was a part of what she said in her analysis. He's most likely to end up in prison, and then the sixth grade came along, and a teacher By the name of Mrs. No, a lady that you've never heard of in your life, who was his sixth grade teacher, came into his world, and he said, I will never forget the influence immediately that Mrs. No had on me. And he said, I will never forget how she changed my life with what she said to me. And here's what she said when she came up to Dr. Hendricks as a little boy. After hearing everything she'd heard about him, she said, I've heard a lot about you, but I don't believe a word of it. I've heard a lot about you, but I don't believe a word of it. The one life of a schoolteacher impacted Dr. Hendricks to the point that he would touch other pastors and other preachers all through Dallas Theological Seminary who would go out and teach and preach, and those people have affected me, and now I have an effect on you. Can you see how one guy who takes his life experience and turns it around can reach people that you never even dreamed? Who knows who you're going to influence by taking your experiences, sharing them with somebody else, even the parts that you think are ugly and that shouldn't be talked about, to be able to help somebody else so that their life doesn't end up looking like it has some of the difficulties that yours does. Later on, Dr. Hendricks was interviewed right before he died. Uh, Dallas newspaper interviewed him, and this is what he said. You are looking at a completely fulfilled human being. How would you like to say that in your 70s and 80s? You are looking at a completely fulfilled human being. Dr. Hendricks, how do you go about being a completely fulfilled human being when you're 70 or 80 or 90 years old? You must have a lot of money in the bank. You must be famous. You must have built something huge. Maybe your kids went on to become president. How do you become completely fulfilled human being? If I died today, having produced some of the people God has given me the privilege of shaping It will have been worth showing up on the planet. Let me tell you what your future is. Your future is the opportunity to take the money you've made and lost, the experiences you've had, good and bad, the marriages maybe that have been great and the marriages that haven't been so great, to take all of those things, all of what collectively makes you you, and to be able to take that stuff out of your treasure chest to humble yourself enough To be willing to talk about the ugly stuff in your treasure chest. To say, listen, here's the mistake I made. Maybe it wasn't something you did. Maybe it was something that was done to you. And and maybe you didn't respond to it the best in the world and you go, you know what? This is what I did with what happened to me. I'm telling you, if you will do this, you will be glad you did. And if you don't, one day on your deathbed, you're gonna look back on a life that collectively is you and you didn't give any of it away you didn't take bad experiences and help somebody else avoid those. You didn't take what you had learned and help somebody else. You will be sorry. You will be sorry. Let me just real briefly talk to the people in the room who have really bad experiences and know Jesus. Kyle, in the first service in the worship set, he used this word, and I just kind of latched onto this word. The word was Pardon. Pardon. What Jesus does on the cross is he offers you pardon. doesn't mean you're innocent. It means you're guilty. And he pardons you. He looks at you and he says, you know what? You're free. How do you get that? You believe what Jesus did on the cross is for you. You receive his forgiveness. And you're set free. You are pardoned. Doesn't get any better than that. I pray this morning you would think about giving your life to Christ and receiving maybe for the first time in your life ever pardon let's pray together God we get so many years who knows how many each of us in this room have and we could stack up the experiences some of them really great but God a lot of them are things we don't want to talk about things that when it's brought up we hang our head a lot of stuff that's just been hard Our temptation is to hide it. Our temptation is to never talk about it, to put it away. God, would you not allow us to do that? Would you give us the courage and the humility to bring all that bad stuff up and to show someone younger than us, look, here's what happened to me. Here's where I was stupid. Here's where I made a mistake. Don't make the same mistake. Help us to invest in the generation that comes up behind us. Because the value of our life is, at the really, at the end of the day, it's what we've been able to give away. God, we love you. We take our collective experiences, we offer them to you. We ask your richest blessing on us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.